All right, what's up, everybody? Hey, I want to wish you Merry Christmas. Can we say Merry Christmas to all our campuses on three? Okay, ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Welcome, guys. Tell them hello all the way around church online, campuses joining us around the state. I'm Pastor Tim. Glad you're here for Liquid. We're kicking off our brand new Christmas series. It's called The Family Tree. Now, quick show of hands, even all our campuses, raise your hand. It's not weird that I'm not in the room, but just kind of, how many of you actually have your family tree up? You have a Christmas tree in your house, condo, apartment, uh, townhome. Okay, about half of you. Awesome. Quick show of hands now. How many of you want or have a real tree? How many of you can do the real tree, the real deal? All right. You're like a lumberjack, hardcore. How many of you are fakers? You go to Home Depot or you drag it out, you know, the attic every year. Okay, here's the deal. Our family always used to kind of do a fake tree, but most recently we've turned to actually chopping our own tree down. I know environmentalists don't email me, but what we did is last weekend uh, we went to a Christmas tree farm. Our family uh, jumped the truck near our house. We took our saw. There's a picture of our dog. There's the kids, and it's kind of a fun tradition. We use a, there's that measuring stick, right? And, you know, my kids hold it up, and they're like, Daddy, this one's 8 feet. Daddy, this one's 10 feet. And I'm like, our house is a 6. Uh, you know, can't really fit it. Uh, my daughter's like, how about that one? And my son's like, yeah, yeah, Dad, let me saw it. Let me saw it, you know? And parents, this is one of those, you know, parental judgment calls. Do you hand a 12-year-old a murder weapon, right? <laughs> and I'm like, it's Christmas. Here you go. And uh, so, you know. He goes out and actually gave him the safety saw, and you know, and he's sawing, 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 sawing. He's like, oh, dad, my arm is tired. He's like, keep going. He's like, sawing, sawing, sawing. And literally, my wife Colleen goes, Tim, look. And we realized the tree is attached to a pole. It's been pre-cut, and then they leaned it up against the pole. And he's like, sawing. He's like, I'm like, you can do it, you know? And so he just keeps sawing. He's like, oh, I don't think I can do it. I was like, watch this. And I'm like, whack. And we just take it, you know, and we carry it off to the car. And he's like, man, dad is strong, you know? I was like, you got it, man, no problem. And so we, we took it home, you know, uh, put on the lights, started decorating the thing, uh, put on the ornaments. That's kind of my favorite part, uh, putting the ornaments on our family tree. Because for us, we always get these kind of, you know, interesting ornaments that represent something special to us, like special places we visited. So for instance, this is a favorite ornament. I don't know if you can see it. This is a gondola from Venice. Um, we, we went to Italy as a family, and while we were there, we were like, this is like a trip of a lifetime, you know? And so we, we put that on every year, and like, oh, remember our, our trip to Italy? Um, silly stuff, stuff like we love, you know? Like, this is a pickle. I don't know if you can see this. My daughter loves pickles, so like there is a disproportionate amount of pickles on our family tree. Uh, here we have, oh, look, here we go, yeah. We got a seahorse here because we love vacationing at the beach, particularly, amen, yeah, thank you, uh, particularly the Jersey Shore, which ironically, I've never seen a seahorse there, but it's okay. We love, we love the beach, and so we put the seahorse on there. You, got, you probably have favorite ornaments on your family tree, um, probably the homemade ones. Those are always kind of my favorites. This is like a, from preschool, you know? My son, you know, when they cut out a star and put their face in it and everything, I always love the, and we have one like every year, you know, you kind of track the kids. My son likes to put this up. He goes, oh, dad, let me take that. That should go right here. He's like, I'm the favorite child, so you should put the star right there. I wonder if I came to your house or wherever you live, what would be on your family tree, right? Because a family tree, when we talk about it, at Christmas we think, oh, I get it, the, the Christmas tree. But the reality is when most people say family tree, they're actually referring to like your relatives, right? Your, your ancestors, your, your roots, your mom, your dad, your grandma, grandpa, siblings, the people who made you who you are. So when you talk about your family tree, you're talking about your roots, where you come from, the different branches of your family. 
And for instance, in my family, let me show you a picture. This is a picture of my father's father. So this is Grandpa Lucas, who, guess what he did for a living? He was actually a big band leader. Can you imagine that? He actually was a, a musical composer, wrote a number of songs, and he conducted the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra. He, like, traveled around, and kind of, he's the patriarch. He's kind of the right brain, creative part of the family. Now, on my mom's side, this is my great grandfather, Jacob Caslander. He was a painter and a preacher, and this picture scared me when I was little, you know? If you look at him here, there, you know, I remember grandma being like, oh no, he's doing a Bible study, and wagging his finger at all you, you know, people not following the Bible is a little bit intimidating, but I look at that, I'm like, that's part of my spiritual heritage, you know? You got the creative musical side in this part, and this part, you kind of have a passion for the Bible, and part of that's made me who I am. So, I'm going to ask you, do you know kind of the roots of your relatives kind of in your family tree? You may have noticed um, tracing your roots has become pretty popular nowadays. You've probably seen ads for Ancestry.com. This is actually incredible. It's the largest for-profit genealogy company in the world. 16 billion historical records and subscribers have had about 200 million different photographs. They've scanned historical documents and letters, has generated 70 million family trees. And I want to show you, throw that slide back up, because here's their promise. Discover what makes you uniquely you. Uncover your ethnic mix, distant relatives, and even new ancestors. And you see your story emerge. And they give you these simple steps. These are kind of their, their big steps. They say, number one, start with what you know. So you add a few family members. They search their historical records. Then it says, look for the leaf or hint. It means we found something intriguing that may match your ancestor. So that's how they get you to pay, right? This is the moment where the firewall comes up and you got to give a credit card, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would, you know, I'm like, I wouldn't pay for that. My mom probably would uh, pay for it. But to me, it's funny because their ads always make this intriguing promise. They're like, maybe you have a famous relative that you don't know about, like this lady. This is their big ad. Holy crow, I'm related to George Washington. <laughs> Right? Emily had no idea. Like, really? No one ever mentioned that at a reunion, you know, or something like that, you know? Where secondly, what if you, you know, you slide your card in, and it's like, you know, $150, and you're like, holy crow, I'm related to George Costanza, you know, or like, wah, 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 kind of thing. Anyway, big business tracing your biological roots, but how about your spiritual roots? Because the Bible tells us this. When you, you're, you're in a Christian church today, and when you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what the Bible says, you're adopted into the family of God. You're actually grafted into his family. You become a son or daughter of your heavenly father, and Jesus is your Savior, and we become brothers and sisters in Christ. So the Bible uses kind of family language, but have you ever wondered, like, I wonder who my spiritual ancestors are, you know, because a lot of believers think, well, our story begins at Christmas when Jesus was born. But the reality is your story began long before that. Be before there was uh, Jesus, there was his father, Joseph, and his father, Jacob, Jesus' grandfather. Jesus had great-grandfathers. And you and I have dozens and dozens of spiritual ancestors, fathers and mothers, aunts and uncles, who were part of the story that leads to you. And that's what the series is all about. See, before there was a Christmas tree, there was Christ's family tree. And this December, we're going to kind of trace our spiritual roots as Christians, kind of the branches of the family of Jesus, and go, they go all the way back to the Old Testament. In fact, I want to show you something cool. I want to share with you a prophecy 
um, from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was this Hebrew prophet. He lived about 700 years before Jesus, and he gave a prophecy. Prophecy is just like a, a prediction about the future. Put this in your program, your notes, if you want to follow along. Here's what Isaiah said. This is his prophecy. He said, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots, a branch, capital B, branch, will bear fruit. So way back in Jesus's family tree, there was a man named Jesse, and, and Jesse was actually the father of King David, the, the one who God promised, uh, your family line will reign on the throne forever. But here is the problem. David's sons and their sons and their grandsons and their grandsons failed God. They betrayed him time and again. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, you know it's basically like a family train wreck, right? They, 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 the family of, of David, they loved each other, but they hurt each other. They betrayed each other. And what's worse is they betrayed God time and time, over and over again, and their families literally fell apart. Their kingdom collapsed. And so Isaiah here, he actually says, it's like the stump. It's like the family tree got chopped down at the base. Have you ever seen a stump? A stump is like the saddest thing in the world. It's like, right, the tree falls over, the branches are all broken. That's all that left. But by the way, that's what the Christmas tree farms look like in January, right? <laughs> kind of sad, kind of hopeless. And Isaiah says, that's what happened to the family of Je Jesse, which was the nation of Israel. Because they disobeyed God over and over again, they were like a tree hacked off at the roots with no hope of ever rising again. Until one day, one day, Isaiah predicted, a shoot will come up out of the stump of Jesse, and from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. He says, actually, a miracle is going to happen. Out of this totally lifeless dead thing, this tender new shoot is going to kind of spring up, and God is going to do a miracle. This new shoot that is, is growing in hope, growing in love, actually bearing and growing healthy fruit again. Who is this? Notice it is a branch with a capital B. Anybody want to take a guess who's this referring to? Yeah, Jesus, right? The Messiah or chosen one. And Isaiah said, one who is greater than the original tree is going to bear spiritual fruit. In fact, here's what it says. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So it says Jesus Christ would be spirit-filled. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And here's what Isaiah predicted. He said, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In other words, out of this chopped down, beat up old stump that was good for nothing, he says, this banner of salvation is going to unfurl for all the nations. Out of this root of Jesse comes a savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen? Guys, that is, this is literally the origin of Christ's family tree or Jesse tree, as it's sometimes called. How many of you have ever heard of a Jesse tree? Okay, if you're a parent with a kid in elementary, you're about to today, okay? Uh, a Jesse tree is actually a pretty cool family tradition. It actually takes its name from this prophecy in Isaiah, which we're talking to your kids about. But a Jesse tree is actually just a special tree that traces the family roots of Jesus leading up the days of Christmas. So you use it to actually share with children the stories from the Old Testament that lead to the birth of Jesus in the New Testament. And 
It's an actual tree. Making a Jesse tree is easy. You could actually use your, your family Christmas tree and put the ornaments on that, or you could take, like, you know, branches of an evergreen and put it in a pot or, or you know, sticks in a, in, a, in a vase, whatever. And with your kids, you actually decorate the tree with all of these special ornaments that we're going to give to your children at Liquid Kids today. And every ornament represents one of Jesus' ancestors, right? There's, there's Jacob. There's Joseph. There's Ruth, there's, uh, let's see, this is, oh, and there's Rahab, right? Men and women who through the ages led ultimately to Jesus Christ. And it's pretty cool because there are 25 ornaments in all, very fun family activity. Again, this is for elementary, like ages, uh, grades one through four, I think. And, and what you tell your kids is you say, hey, Christmas is all about family, right? And, and our relatives, we get together, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But guys, before there was a, a Christmas tree, there was Jesus' family tree. And, and you have relatives, and you basically read the, the Bible story, and then you hang the ornament on the tree. And it's kind of a cool way to build anticipation for Christmas. I don't know about you, but again, if you have younger kids, uh, we used to struggle all the time with, like, how do you make Christmas and tell the kids about the real meaning, right? Because it's like all you do is, you, you know, you go to the mall, and it's insane, and you act very unchristian, uh, you know, and they're like, I want me, 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 me. It's all about me. This is a great, we want you to be the hero, parents. We are giving you this gift because we want you to be the spiritual hero and leader in the home. And actually, it's a beautiful way to teach your kids kind of the scriptures and what the true meaning of Christmas is. So this is our gift to you. And, uh, and we're going to do this kind of at, at our home, even though my kids are older. You can get it online. Like if your kids aren't in elementary, you can get these online very easily. It builds great anticipation. Anyway, here's the fascinating part. When you look through the ornaments and, and you trace these, the family tree, who would you guess? What kind of people are in Jesus's family, right? Like if you were to say, well, what kind of people are in Jesus' family? And you're like, well, it's Jesus' family. Clearly, these are perfect people. Uh, these are the superheroes of the faith. These are the holy rollers. Pfft, hardly. One of the surprises you're going to find is that <laughs> Jesus' family is full of people who were big-time cheaters, who were master manipulators, who were liars and deceivers and, and stealers. And, and you're like, maybe, maybe they are like my family, you know, after all, right? But what's amazing is, is that God doesn't actually cut them off. Just the opposite. Through Jesus Christ, that, that green shoot out of the stump, God says, I'm going to adopt all these messy and broken, imperfect people into my eternal family. And I'm going to give them my name. They're going to be sons and daughters of God. They're going to be brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. He, see, God doesn't just forgive our failures. He adopts us and gives us a brand new name, a brand new identity, and you become into the family of God. So if you're here this Christmas and you're like, man, my family tree, my family's a little bit of a mess, you know, God says, man, let me, invite me into that. I am your rescuer, and I can actually liberate you from all the, the dysfunction and the brokenness and the sadness, set you in a new family. Let Jesus be your gift. Do you, do you want me this Christmas? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, God gives you a new name, and you have an inheritance in heaven. You have the promise of eternity with him. That's literally what it means, right? The joy of Christmas. We're going to be adopted into God's family. That's what Christmas is all about. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself, all right? Um, we're going to arrive at the birth of Jesus on Christmas Eve. But today, I want to look at just one 
of Jesus' forefathers. This is an ancient ancestor of Jesus, who if it weren't for him, honestly, we wouldn't have Jesus. Let me uh, show you his ornament. Let's see, I have it here. This is, you can kind of see, there's a ladder on the front. The name of Jesus' ancestor, we're going to look at today, his name was Jacob, okay? Now, here's the deal. Every ornament has a picture or a symbol for your child to color. And if you look on Jacob's ornament, it's a, a ladder, right? How many of you have heard of Jacob's ladder? Have you ever heard of that? Okay, one of the more famous stories in the Old Testament. And this, Jacob, basically was Jesus' great, 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 grandfather, okay? And his story is kind of told in Genesis 28. I want to kind of look at this briefly because here's what we're going to learn. Every time you read a story in the Old Testament, guess who it's connected to? It's pointing to Jesus, so if there's no Jacob, there's no Jesus, there's no Christmas, okay? So whenever we read the Old Testament, you have eyes where you say, how does this point to Christ? So let's look at this. Genesis 28, if you want to look in your notes or follow on your phone, we're going to start at verse 10. Here's what it says. Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. This is just places in Israel. And he says, uh, at sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp. And he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against, and he lay down to sleep. As he slept, he had a dream. Listen to this crazy dream. He dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway, and at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father and then he says this, Isaac, the ground you're lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and to your what? Your descendants. So this is a, a promise about your family. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to, to the south. And all the families of the earth, including you today, will be blessed through you, Jacob, and your descendants, meaning your kids and their kids. What's more, then God makes these incredible promises. He says, Jacob, I'm with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. And one day, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I've promised to you. Crazy dream. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. He said, whoa, surely the Lord is in this place, and I, I wasn't even aware of it. So Jacob has this kind of fever dream where he feels like God is speaking to him. How many of you are dreamers? You have dreams regularly at night. Maybe you kind of had one last night. Maybe you feel like, I think I'm in a dream right now uh, at church. Jacob's a dreamer, okay? And he was one of the fathers of our faith. You see his fathers mentioned here. Uh, Abraham was his father. He began the line, the family line. Then he had Isaac. Uh, Abraham was his grandfather. His uh, son was Isaac. And then Isaac had twin boys. Jacob and his twin brother Esau. The problem is, is that Jacob wasn't just a dreamer. He was a, um, gosh, there's no way to put this. He was a master manipulator, okay? The, the name Jacob actually in Hebrew literally means like he deceives, okay? So he went through life always trying to like figure out a way to chisel and cheat people and get up a leg ahead. And in fact, after he was born, he cheated his brother out of his family birthright. Uh, he put on this, like, hairy disguise and tricked his father. He's like, I'm really Esau. And, and so he chisels his brother and cheats him out of it. And so you got to understand something. When we go through Jesus' family tree, you are not going to find perfect people. You're not going to find people who were chosen for their character. 
their inclusion in the family of God is based upon the character of the Lord, of his grace, of his mercy, of his willingness to use any of us broken and perfect people. So the people you're going to meet, you're like, man, these guys aren't heroes. They're deeply flawed. They lie, they cheat, they steal, and they're not the heroes you're, you'd expect. In fact, they're really just like us, aren't they, right? Trying their best to obey God, to please God, but often falling woefully short. And that's what happens here as Jacob's on this little road trip. It's like he's coming home for Christmas. He's going to Haran, which was his, his grandfather's hometown. And he says he camps for the night. He kind of sets up camp. The sun's going down. And it says, what did he find for, for a pillow? You guys got that one? He found a, a rock, right? So no tempur mattress here. Uh, Jacob's out in the wilderness. He's roughing it. He's sleeping on a rock. And as he kind of slurs off, he has this crazy dream. Verse 12 says, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. Now, folks, if you catch this, this is the original stairway to heaven. Okay, this is it. Metalhead's like, woo, Merry Christmas, Metalhead Christmas, all right? And that's why you're going to see on his ornament a ladder. Every ornament has kind of like a key symbol on it. And, and Jacob dreams of this ladder going up to heaven, a stairway to the stars. And obviously, this is a symbol. Um, a lot of times, biblical dreams have symbols in them. And this is a good one. Because a ladder, really, in a lot of ways, right, it kind of it represents life, right? Like, like life is kind of this like series of steps that just kind of go on and on, right? Jacob's on a journey. We're all on this journey, and, and there are steps, right? Like, okay, I get this, how this works. Like, okay, first I'm born, right? You did it. Uh, then I'm going to school, right? And I hopefully graduate, and I get into debt. Whoops, I take a step back there, right? Uh, you know, and then I get my first job. Oh, praise God. Oh, I got fired from my job, and it's two steps back, right? Life is just kind of like, you know, two steps forward, uh, one step back, or one step forward, two steps back, right? Uh, okay, so I got my job, but it's not really going well. But I found a girlfriend. She's amazing. She's going to, oh, she broke up with me, and I'm back down, right? Or then you find someone, no, no, they're going to love me, and they make a commitment. And now I'm married, and we want to have kids. And now, oh, infertility or, 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 or a miscarriage, and you feel like, man. Or, or then you're like, you know, and then you have kids, and you're like, oh, but they don't behave. You know, they're naughty. They're getting nothing for Christmas, you know? <laughs> Jacob dreams of this ladder that stretches from earth all the way to heaven and it's endless and life can feel like that. <laughs> like it's a series of steps and like your achievements and hopefully you're making progress and hopefully when it's all over, you will end up ultimately in heaven. This is what most people believe. And honestly, guys, this is what they live out. You know why? Because every man-made self-improvement plan is about the steps that you have to take to be accepted. What do I have to do to earn my way into heaven? What do I got to do to make God happy? And the world has an answer for this, and the answer is religion. All the major religions of the world, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, all have a similar solution to the God gap, right? If God's up there and we're down here, how do I reach him? And religion says, well, there's always a series of steps you can take to earn your way in. Now, the steps are different for each religion. For instance, for Judaism, you have the 10 steps or kind of the 10 commandments, right? And in Jesus' day, even to Orthodox Jews today, for a good Jewish person to eventually make it to heaven, first, you have to observe the law of Moses. 
Then you have to memorize the Torah. Then you have to go to temple. You make sacrifices for your sins where you fall short. Hopefully you can meet with a priest because he's a little bit closer to God. He's a rung up on you. And then you kind of, he makes a sacrifice. And hopefully when you get to the end of your life, you make it into paradise. That is Judaism. But now watch. Islam has a different route. For devout Muslims, you have the five pillars of Islam you have to follow, which is you make your testimony of faith. You have to pray every day. You have to observe zakat, which means charity. You give to the needy. You have to fast during the month of Ramadan. You have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. And hopefully one day, are you paying attention? (laughs) You will make it to paradise. For Buddhists, there are four steps. They're called the four noble truths. For Catholics, you have the seven sacraments you must follow. In fact, Catholic visitors to Rome often climb a set of stairs. I don't know if you've ever seen this. They're called the Scala Santa, or Sancta, I should say, or Holy Stairs. And tradition has it, these are the actual stairs that Jesus climbed in Pilate's palace in Jerusalem. So in the fourth century, the Pope actually had the stairs ripped out of Jerusalem and brought them to Italy in Rome. And what's amazing, if you visit today, you can only climb these stairs on your knees. That's, look at them. See people climbing up that way? It's the only way you're allowed to climb them. And in the early 1900s, the early Catholic Church, they said, you know what? If you go to confession and you take communion and you climb up these stairs on your knees, you get an indulgence, which means you get out of purgatory earlier than everybody else. And as you can see, take a look close up. The steps are well-worn, aren't they? Over the decades, millions and millions of people have climbed these stairs on their knees. Point is this. It's universal. Every organized or man-made religion has its own stairway to heaven. That's what religion offers you. This is the way you close the God gap. If he's up there, you're down here. Here's the steps you need to take and the rungs you better hold on to to reach him. And frankly, guys, that is why religion sucks. (laughs) Can I say that without offending anybody? I'm serious. I'm not like, I'm not trying to knock down. I I just, religion sucks. I know that sounds strange, like, right, coming from the pastor or like a Christian church. But I'm confident Jesus would agree. See, at its core, organized religion represents our man-made attempts to clean up our life and climb our way back to God. This is how I'm going to earn my way into heaven through my own effort. I'm going to obey certain rules. I'm going to follow certain steps. And heaven forbid, if you're climbing and you slip or you fall, God forbid, you better try harder next time. You better go back to church. The steps go on forever. And here's the thing. You never know if you've ever done enough. And that's why religious people are a drag to be around. (laughs) Because they're often judgmental and they're exhausting. Have you noticed this? See, religion, the trick, the trap of religion is that it leads to one of two places. Either pride on the one hand or despair on the other. That's the only two places that religion leads, pride. In other words, if you're, like, really good at, like, you know, following the rules and steps, you love religion, right? Because you have to measure your progress. You're like, look at me. I am making progress. I made my first, you know, baptism or communion or whatever. I've got a productive job. I've got a good family. I attend church. I give to charity. I served at the outreach. I am a good person. And watch, now I get to look down on everybody else, right? I'm up here, uh, but Paul, poor Herb, he's down there. You know, he kind of wrecked his marriage. You know, and Jody's nice, but she hasn't been to church in a while. I heard she struggles with depression. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> he doesn't pray as much as me, you know. Uh, and his, you know, my, 
His kids a little bit out of control, honestly. Mine are right in line. They memorize the Jesse Tree verses. They've got everything, you know, gone. Guys, it's called religious pride, and it makes God sick. It actually, pride is the original sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. <laughs> and, and some of you guys, you're here today, and you weren't thinking about coming because you've been a victim of bad religion. Maybe you grew up in a household where actually there were very strict rules and it felt like a religious straitjacket. And you tried to keep up that performance and doing all the right things, but what's the problem? Life's the problem. <laughs> and at some point you slipped and you failed and you fell. And while you were lying on the ground, bleeding, hurting, the people sitting up here, you thought, oh, the people who are close to God, they didn't love you. What did they do? They judged you. They watched you and said, second divorce. And you swore, I will never go back there again. That's why religion doesn't work. On the one hand, it leads to pride. But on the other, it leads to despair. See, if you believe that the way of heaven is really up to you, it is solely based on your performance, your moral effort, your attempts to be the, a good person, take all the right steps, what happens? You're human, and you start climbing, and you fall, and you slip, and all of a sudden, you're like... Again? Look at me. I relapsed. I, I can never do this. What's the use of even trying? People are all ahead of me. They all judge me, and I'm just a terrible, awful, no good, dirt, dirty person. I just take one step, and it's two steps back, and you figure, why bother trying? You give up. You give in to despair. Guys, those are the two destinations for man-made religion. A, you become a self-righteous jerk who judges other people. Or B, you become a self-loathing jerk who judges themselves. So can I ask you this question this Christmas? Have you been climbing a religious ladder? I mean, maybe, is that, is that why you're here? Maybe you're like, well, I am here today because it is Christmas and we go to church. I checked that off the list. Guys, if so, you have completely missed the heart of God. You have missed the heart of God. Of Christmas. Guys, this is the key to Christmas of actually having one of joy. See, Jacob, your, your great, 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 great grandfather, lays on the ground and he looks up, he sees a stairway to heaven. And look what the scripture says At the top of the stairway to heaven stood Led Zeppelin. <laughs> no. The top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham the God of your father Isaac, and the ground you're lying on belongs to you, and I'm giving it to you and your descendants. And watch this, Jacob. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. God stands at the top of the stairway and looks down at Jacob the dreamer, and he says, I never asked you to climb up to me. I am coming down to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your father, your mother, your sons, your daughters. I'm going to bless your screwy grandkids. It's all about my grace. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your, what? Descendants. Ding, ding, ding. You always take an Old Testament passage and say, how does this link to Jesus? Here it is. As you might know, Jacob had 12 sons, 12 descendants who became anybody? the 12 tribes of Israel. And out of his line, they had sons who had sons who had grandsons who had sons, and eventually came another great, great, great ancestor named Jacob. And here's what Matthew 1, first chapter of the New Testament says. Jacob was the father of Joseph, 
the husband of Mary. And Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior. 2,000 years later, Jesus Christ is born in this know-nothing neck of the woods in Bethlehem. And he came from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he experienced a miracle birth. He was born of a virgin, which simply means he had a sinless nature. He was God himself. And it's finally somebody has come to fulfill all the righteous requirements, the steps to God, because he was God. And the heart of Christmas is this. Don't miss this. The coming of Jesus, guys, in the season, it means there are no ladders to climb because at Christmas, Christ came down to you. Amen? There's no ladder. He's not keeping track. At Christmas, God comes down to meet you in your mess and all your faults and all your failed attempts to be a good person. And 2,000 years later, what's, what's crazy is Jesus himself looks at his family tree and he says, oh, let me tell you about this story. Jesus oftentimes would take stories from the Old Testament and say, oh, do you know what this one was really about? And he took the one with the ladder and he says, oh, do you guys remember Jacob's dream? Yeah, let me tell you. That dream, it was all about me. <laughs> it was all about me. Look what he says here in John 1. We'll let Jesus interpret it himself. He says, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open. And the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Why did Jesus come at Christmas? Not to show us the steps to heaven. Jesus is the stairway to heaven. He doesn't point the way up. He is the way up. It's his righteous life. He lived a life you could never live. Perfection. He fulfilled God's commandments every single step of the way. He never slipped, fell, or failed. And he lived the perfect life you and I could never live. But then 33 years later, he died the death we deserved. He died as a sacrifice on a tree, on a brutal Roman cross. He took on all of our sins, and he took the judgment of God. And then he was raised from the dead, and where did he go? He ascended into heaven. See, every religion, every man-made improvement plan is about the steps you have to take. But Jesus is the only one who says, I am the steps. I'm the stairway to heaven, and I'm the only way. For you who are the Jacobs, you who are the manipulators, the deceivers, the, tri the, the chiselers, those of you who are like lost and confused and you're a long way off, and those of you at Christmas who are just tired, you're just exhausted of all the climbing and the striving and the achieving. See, guys, the good news of Christmas is that Jesus is your ladder. Say that together. Jesus is your ladder. It's called grace. God's radical acceptance and love of people who don't deserve it and know they'll never earn it. <laughs> you can only receive it. At Christmas, Jesus became the stairway for sinners. He became the ladder for the lost. He's the gateway to God. At Christmas, love came down. Amen? Don't miss this message. This, don't let it get old. This can change your life. Guys, Jesus did not come to earth to start a new religion. He came to start a relationship with you. One based not on your performance, but on his perfection. Based not on your effort, but on God's grace. See, religion says this. If you obey, 
God will accept you. But you know what grace says? Because God already accepts you, you're going to be compelled to obey. <laughs> that joy is going to enter your heart and it's going to come naturally. And when you personally receive the grace of Jesus Christ, your heart calms down because you have, find, you have finally found the love you've been looking for your whole life. You walk through, through life not proud or, or despair. Remember, those are the only two places that religion leads, right? Pride or despair. But you know what happens when you invite Christ into your heart? You know what God gives you? He gives you a new gift. He lets you walk through life with humble, confident joy. Can we say that? Humble, confident joy. Start with humble. When you rely on Christ, you never get too full of yourself. Because you realize, I'm just a sinner. <laughs> Saved by what? Grace. Not by my works. But wait, I served the outreach. We did 500,000 meals. God's like, I'm not keeping a list and checking it twice. I'm not doing the math. Even your greatest good works are like filthy rags compared to Jesus. And so it means you don't be self-righteous prig. <laughs> you actually have empathy and patience for people who fall and fail because you know you're one of them. <laughs> you don't have any judgment left. You're actually quick to offer a hand up because that's what God gave you in Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ makes you humble, but it also makes you confident. You don't have to actually wring your hands and feel anxiety and constantly worry, am I doing enough? Am I being a good enough person? Is my good outweighing the bad to make it to heaven? Because you know the only way I'm getting to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It's his performance, not mine. So I don't feel anxious or worry anymore. It is guaranteed with his life, and there is no more condemnation or judgment from God for me. So who's going to judge me now? God doesn't count your failures. He promises what he promised Jacob. I'm with you. I'll protect you. I'll be with you wherever you go. So you're confident. You're confident. Because you know if you fall and you fail that God already accepts you and Christ has paid for that sin. And it makes you want to get up again, right? Because like, if God doesn't judge me and he gives me his Holy Spirit, I can actually make progress to be like Jesus. That's my whole point of my life. It's not dead religion. It's a living relationship with your Father in heaven, grounded in grace. And he rejoices over you with love. Faith in Christ gives you humble, confident joy. Who wants joy this Christmas, right? Look at Jacob, guys. Dreaming of this lad. You see what it means, guys? Love came down for you at Christmas. So you know what that means? <laughs> you can let go of the ladder and quit climbing the stairs. That's what we're celebrating. Advent's the arrival, the coming of our Savior. So when you get home, let your family tree be a reminder. Jesus is your ladder who died on a tree so you could live forever. Amen? That's the gift. It's salvation. It's sins forgiven. It's, thank you, Jesus. It's the promise of heaven when you die. It's just a gift of grace. <laughs> and it's a gift. Totally free. You, you cannot earn it. You can never deserve it. All you can do is receive it. That's why I want to give you a chance to do that right now. Some of you have never received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. You, you've dabbled in religion, and maybe that's why you're here today. But like Jacob, man, you got to wake up. <laughs> Look how Jacob ends. You see that last verse? It says, Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, whoa, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Guys, God is in this place right here, right now, and he's speaking to some of you. He knows exactly what you're going through this Christmas. He knows your messed up family stuff. He knows the financial situation, the health struggle, or, or, or the messy relationships. And you're like, God's 
God's here in that? I had no idea. (laughs) I wasn't even aware of it. And Jesus says, I'm going to come down and be with you every step of the way because I am the way. Maybe you never were aware how simple, simple the gift of salvation is because you are run over by religion. But a relationship with Jesus is being offered to you right now through God. And what, what he invites you to do now is make this personal. And I want to give you a chance to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to clear just a couple of moments here for you to pray. So all of our campuses, let's, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Because I know God's been speaking to, to some of you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Would you bow your heads with me to pray? Here today, and you're like, man, I, I have been run over by religion, but I would love to know and be confident of the love of God, unshakable and never-ending in my life. This is a moment for you. You're, you're, you're like, yes, I want to join the family of God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. This is actually how you officially become a member of God's family. Father God, we invite you now. I know you're speaking to hearts. Holy Spirit, come and confirm that that's you speaking. Let the incredible gospel of grace grip the hearts of men and women right now. Confirm, Father God, the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So again, if you want to know the promise that God is with you now and forever, that you will have the hope of heaven when you die. I'm going to invite you to pray these words after me. We're going to say these words out loud. And let's say them together, just like as one big family, okay? So nobody feels left out. I'll say them aloud, and then you kind of repeat them after me. Are you ready? Here's, we're all going to pray together. Here we go. Big, loud voice. Jesus, I want your love this Christmas. Jesus, I want your love this Christmas. So today, I confess I'm a sinner. And receive you as my Savior. I believe. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you were raised for my life. So I repent. I repent of religion. And trust you alone to save me. Thank you for being my ladder to heaven. Receive me now into your family so we can be together forever. In Jesus' name, amen.